Major Lindsay in Africa presents Between the Legal Lines, a podcast focused on leading women lawyers who have pushed beyond the boundaries and found success. Welcome to Between the Legal Lines. I am your host, Andrea Bricka. This is a podcast that is a series of monthly interviews where we explore how women who happen to also be both executives and lawyers navigate the boundaries often placed upon them due to their roles and their demographic. These women have found success despite those sometimes very narrowly drawn lines that govern what is acceptable and what is not. And each month we hear a new story from a different woman about what that is like. Joining me today is Jen Painter, Senior Vice President, Chief Legal Officer, and Secretary at ASGN Incorporated. Jen, welcome to the Between the Legal Lines, and thank you for joining me today. Could you just please start by telling us a bit about who you are, your current role, and generally your path to that role? Okay, well, very nice to be on here today. And so, as you said, I'm the Chief Legal Officer at ASGN. And basically, that just means I'm the jack of all trades and do a little bit of everything. And I'm not a specialist at anything. But luckily, I have some great team members who support, uh, you know, ASGN and uh, make us all look good. So, you know, it's a public company. So there's public company support that we do. And then there's the uh, we're more like a parent company of a bunch of staffing and consulting um, divisions. And so we acquire new ones all the time and we're growing that way and we're growing organically. And it is just a fantastic, wonderful job. And I'm so glad and blessed to be there every day. And in preparing today, I realized I've known you for 20 years. Um, back in 2001, I guess we met when you were at Sullivan and Cromwell going to Cadiz. Like how you've had other general counsel roles kind of. Talk about that path. Like, what did each bring to you and what did you bring to them? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Okay, so it's been a a really convoluted path. And you know a a lot of it, actually, because you've been a good part of it. And we worked with you to hire people for our teams at some of these places. So, I, you know, I started out as a civil engineer. I went to the United States Military Academy and was in the Army after that for a few years. And I got some great experience in leadership uh, and being a young officer there. And so while I was in the army, though, I went to law school at night. And when I got out of the army, I went to Sullivan and Cromwell, which was my first job, as as you said. And uh, that led to my first job. And, you know, having diverse background and doing different things really can help. Um, I got my first job as a GC at Cadiz because they really liked my uh, military background and the fact that I had uh, been a project engineer um, and a project manager for construction projects, and they were looking for somebody who had that kind of experience and uh, being a lawyer as well. So that was my first GC job. And then from there, I went to Ryland Homes and was the AGC, which was a whole nother different industry. I went from Cadiz was real estate and a water project. And then Ryland Homes was a Fortune 500 as a home builder. And then from there, I went to MRV Communications, which was a telecommunications company. And then, you know, now I'm at my fourth uh, company as a, a GC or a chief legal officer, and I'm at a, a ASGN, which is staffing and consulting. 
Very, very, very background. (laughs) Uh, You know what? You learn something new at each place you go. uh, You learn something about the um, legal guild. You learn something about the people that you're working with and how you manage different teams and how you manage different management um, groups and and board uh, boards. So it's been uh, uh, every, every place I've been, I've learned and had a, a good experience. So has there been any one person that's been particularly helpful in your career? Okay, you gave me that question in advance and I'm sorry I'm gonna be so cliche, but it's gotta be my parents. Um, you know, I, I know we hear that a lot, but it's probably because it's so true. My parents believed I could be anything I wanted to be, and I never had any limits on, what, you know, being president or anything in the world. You know, when uh, the coach from West Point called uh, for basketball, I'm 6'2", so you know, I, I know you know that, but not everybody else on this call probably does um, or listen, listening in, and she called me and I said, no, thank you. That That's military, right? And uh, so we ended up the call and I said, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Well, you know, those recruiting coaches, they're, they're quite uh, demanding and, you know, they, uh, they, they don't stop. So she called back again the next week, got my dad on the phone. My dad thought, oh my gosh, West Point, that'd be pretty interesting. So he invited her to come visit and she came the next week and he told me one hour in advance and said, you are going to sit here and you're going to be nice for one hour. And then I won't bother you about it ever again. But he didn't think I should limit myself by, you know, just because it was the military or otherwise. And so I sat and listened to her for an hour. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm going to school there the next uh, summer. And that was it. I really enjoyed my experience there. And it was just, it's changed my, my life and my career. So you have, you mentioned that obviously you went to the U.S. Military Academy. How has your military background, your training, that experience, do you believe that has helped in your legal and business career? Of course. Just one, having a different diverse background and having different experiences helped. But the Army and the, and the Military Academy and all the other academies, they're all about leadership training. And I just got so much out of that, uh, you know, for, for better, for worse. Sometimes it was from seeing examples of leaders that I could, I could just say, I'm never going <laughs> to do that. Uh, I think there's probably three things I learned the most from my time in the uh, military. One is you need to lead from the front. You need to set an example. Follow me, do as I do. You've heard that before. Um, that's literally and otherwise, you know, in uh, the military is such a perfect example of that. You can't lead a run when you're falling behind. You can't be, you know, calling out the cadence when you're 20 feet back from your team. Um, and you need to inspire your soldiers to be the best they can be and by, by modeling and behavior and, and their goals and your goals. I, I've always found, and it's um, seen so many examples of it in the military, you know, fear is a short-term motivator, and that usually backfires on you. Loyalty, trust, teamwork, um, those all can accomplish, you know, awe-inspiring results. Uh, so I would say that was number one. Probably the second lesson I learned in the military is humility. Uh, you know, I told you my story about uh, me telling the coach, no, thank you. When I was a 17, I was probably a little bit of a shit, a little bit of an uh, attitude, and, uh, you know, <laughs> thinking I was something. Uh, 
but when you see the experiences that other people bring to the table um, and, you know, they know more about their jobs than you do, especially when you're a lieutenant who just start is so green and you're just starting. Um, these soldiers have been doing their jobs for years and they are very accomplished people. So your job is just to lead them to be successful individually and as a team and they, <clears throat> and you can accomplish so much, uh, you know, have them teach you what they do and learn from them and then set expectations for them to push themselves and push you as a group. Uh, give your teammates credit for the, all the wins because it really isn't you. Uh, so humility. And then the, the last thing I learned, which is just neither here nor there, but I think it's just valuable. Um, the food is a great motivator. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but uh, I go to the, um, some of our work sites on construction projects or something. And I bring in the, the juice and the bagels and um, the donuts and uh, gosh, boy, was I beloved and it had nothing to do with who I was, but the food I was bringing and, you know, it would just, um, you know, get them in a good mood. And then we'd have our quick meeting and a little break and then off they'd go back again and, you know, working as hard as they could. And, uh, you know, we just had, I, I was trying to, see how that lesson applied to today. And literally we just had our proxy kickoff meeting last week. And uh, that brings in a diverse group of people who are working on the proxy statement every year from accounting, from marketing, uh, from legal, obviously, and uh, outside groups as well um, that help us with the, you know, how it looks and all that. And uh, so when we were pre COVID, we would have uh everybody in one big meeting room. And I would just uh, go hit the Starbucks up and just buy everything out of Starbucks and all sorts of drinks and juices and pastries and all that, and just have an abundance of food so people could eat as much as they wanted for breakfast during the meeting and bring back uh, with them extra stuff. And it was just kind of a fun thing that we did every year. Um, Last week, because we're not all in the office yet, so we just sent Starbucks gift cards to everybody and said, make sure you order, um, have it delivered, DoorDash, Uber Eats, whatever, but uh, get yourself something so we can have a, a fun meeting. And it just, um, you know, it, th that proxy process is just a pain in the butt. And it's, you know, a, a lot of work for people, especially when they're not even in your group and it isn't their day job. So, uh getting people's uh, in the, the right attitude and, and being helpful and, and being a good team. Um, it's, you know, that little Starbucks thing is just <laughs> makes a, it just seems like such a little thing, but it does make a difference. All great so. lessons, all great lessons. Uh, speaking of lessons, have you learned anything more about leadership by being an executive during the pandemic from its start to now two years later? Well, I guess staying in touch with your team um, would probably be the most key thing. And I, I know we all try to do that. Uh, you know, the better your communications were with your team before the pandemic, the better off I found uh, I was during the pandemic. The, the people who come in after the pandemic started and they're, we're only seeing them on screens. And, and I'm just talking to my experience. I know there's so many varied experiences out there. People are in healthcare and they're, they've got a whole different experience because they're there every day. Retail, they're there with their folks every day. We were mainly at home and we still are mainly at home. So uh, 
our experience with leadership was just to make sure people didn't get lost uh, along the way. And, you know, people get very isolated at home or, you know, they get stressed. They got so many obligations. There's just a lot of stuff going on. uh, And the more in touch we can be on a personal level with our teams, the better off we are. So switching gears a little bit, what, if anything, do you wish you were freer to say or do at work? And if there's anything that you feel that you can't say or do at work, why do you think you can't? I don't think there's anything I would want to be freer to say or do at work. I'm, I'm a really open book and I just share for better or for worse. So <laughs> sometimes for worse, but uh, with my prior boss, sometimes I'd have to bring him good, you know, not, not so good news. And he wouldn't like it. And he'd share his frustration at hearing that. Uh, but to, you know, it, he needed to hear it because it helped him make better decisions And it helped him uh, be better at his job. And you just got to have a tough skin or, you know, and just, (laughs) you know, it wasn't going to stop me from uh, saying or doing anything at work. And I don't think anybody should be that way because, you know, keeping yourself restrained um, or not saying or speaking up when you need to speak up, especially for goodness sakes, we're, you know, you're talking to a general counsel here um, and that's the audience of other folks who are going to be listening in. You have to speak up. You cannot uh, be worried about what others might think or how it would go over or your career or your job. You got to speak up. And hopefully when you're speaking up, you have a solution to go with it, but you, you just can't keep yourself quiet because of of any concerns you might have. So you mentioned about, you know, maybe not wanting to go into the military. What do you think has been stronger? Restraints you've placed on yourself or restrictions placed on you by other people, particularly in the workplace? Yeah, again, I'm not going to restrain myself, whether it's in something I say or in something I do. I don't think that makes for a very efficient uh, workplace, and it certainly isn't good for open communications. And the more we can uh, not be restrained, the better off we're going to be in, you know, getting the goal accomplished quickly and, uh, you know, getting the best result. Restrictions, whether you put them on yourself or others put them on you are just going to hold you and your company back. Do you in any way think that early experience of, saying, oh, I wouldn't go to the military and you were putting that kind of idea out there. Do you think that impacted you kind of from an early, from that early age going forward? You know, thinking I wouldn't do the military and then seeing, wow, gosh, that's not, that's not what I thought it was. Maybe I should listen. Maybe I should, um, you know, that was, again, going back to my parents, what they always taught me, don't put restrictions on yourself. Don't, um, you can do whatever you want to do. Why don't you learn more about it first before you're making decisions? And uh, the more informed we are, the better off we are uh, at our jobs and in our personal lives as well. So data continues to show a gender pay gap in the legal profession, particularly the GC role. I know recent data came out, showed that gap is closing. One of the surveys, I think, even showed maybe women general counsel earning slightly more. But on a whole... 
saw that. Wasn't that like the um, Fortune 500 companies? The women were doing better than the men? Yeah, that was, I mean, yes. And that was new data for this, like in the past year, which was surprising because mm-hmm. um, the data still out there. And I think that switches sometimes, right? One year I did, did show that the gap was closing, then it wasn't. And now it seems to be ahead in some areas, but generally in the legal profession, even at the partner level in firms, we still see a pay gap. Do you have any thoughts on how we can close that gap going forward? So that all the well, stories think- come out the way that this past one did, I guess. I mean, I do think transparency helps the with the Fortune 500 companies, those GCs. The, the reason we have that information is because they're out there on proxy statements. And, uh, you know, you have a, a even playing field to see what others are making. And it makes for good arguments for why you should be doing as well. Um, and if you are confident in your capabilities and you're worth it, then you should be asking for it. I just don't feel that... Uh, it's as much a gap in the top legal levels, at least in the public companies, as it might be in you know the lower levels or in the law firms and stuff, especially where partnership is more murky and all that. Uh, again, transparency is a great source of uh, you know same thing with well, going back to the military. You know, very transparent. Anybody can just Google what anybody's making. Um, it, you know, from the a E1 soldier to a, you know, four-star general, because it's, you just hit certain ranks and you hit certain levels and certain years of seniority and everybody knows. Um, I, I don't think partnerships at law firms are going to like that idea of more transparency. Uh, but the more that information is available, the more that information is just available for, you know, jobs as assistant general counsels and various things on Glassdoor and all the places that have uh, compensation available with recruiters like you guys, um, knowing what the market is. So you're there to advocate for uh, your placements. You know, I I think it's getting better and I think it's going to continue to get better, but the more transparency we can add, the better off we'll be. It's a great point about the the public companies and the proxy statements. I think that does play a big role and um, thank you for pointing that out. One of the other things about it is getting more women to be general counsel. Do you have any thoughts on how we get more women into the general counsel seat? What a great question. I mean, it's all about the pipeline, right? And uh, I, I feel like the numbers have been increasing. We've seen that across the board. It will be a long time before we're at equity with, you know, some kind of 50-50%, but it it definitely is going in the right direction. I I think just, you know, talking about the pipeline, one thing we have, I'm going to bring this back to my company and my specific experience. It was tough, tougher. It was tough on everybody, Um, COVID and and the pandemic and everything, but tougher on women in general because they had more responsibilities at home in general. Um, And we lost, we tried so hard to keep women who were just struggling and tried to, you know, we tried, we tried all sorts of uh, things to keep people and can we reduce your hours? Can we do this? And uh, we were losing women disproportionately in the workforce when we were trying so hard to increase our percentage. 
And I, I think some of the efforts that we went to probably helped stem that loss from being worse, but it was difficult. I mean, and some of that, some of our ideas were maybe better than others. Some went over like lead balloons. You know, we have one that was just horrible. Uh, we tried to, we, we had these seminars or webinars on work-life balance and uh, a, well, you know, people who are really overworked and don't have work-life balance don't have the time to sit and listen to webinars on work-life balance from their job. <laughs> so very low attendance. That went, that went over like a lead balloon. One thing that went over really well, which was just kind of random, one of our division presidents who has uh, younger kids of his own had a reading uh half hour thing where um, he would read kids books to kids, you know, um, online, right. Um, via zoom um, uh, of the kids in his division. And, you know, and one of his kids was in there, uh, you know, in, in the room with him listening to the, the book. And that actually surprisingly got really great reviews and the kids and the parents and everybody, that was a, you know, kind of a bonding moment where they could see their um, division president with his kid. And, uh, you know, he was talking to all the other kids on the call. Um, so that, you know, that, that kind of a random, who would have thought, but that stuff like that was working better than some of the, um, you know, work-life balance seminars and some of the other things that we tried. Well, at least you did make an effort. And I think a lot of companies did. I think that does raise an issue of, you know, is the pipeline, are we going to take steps backwards, right? Because maybe the pipeline is drying, dried up a little bit if women were just leaving the workforce or deciding they just weren't going to, you know, go for those higher jobs because they had to deal with everything else over the last two years. So it's an interesting point. It, because especially on, at the GC level, I mean, a lot, a lot of the GCs come from law firms and, you know, there's a lot of, you put in a lot of hours at the at the law firms to, get where you want to go and uh, trying to manage that with your family. And if you're having kids and then trying to do that and then um, setting yourself to be in a successful place to, to transition over, to be a chief legal officer at some point, it's, it's not easy. So in conclusion, what advice would you offer to other ambitious women about workplace behavior and career path? Well, you know, talking about the dropping out of the workforce, don't, you know, uh, it might be difficult, it might be harder, but push through and figure out solutions that work for you. I, you know, I can't speak to everybody's uh, issue, but the more you can get help um, with things that don't matter um, and focus on the things that really do matter. Guys are, in general, I'm not trying to be guys versus women, because gosh, the reason I got where I am is, is all guys. And, you know, when I show up in meetings and stuff, I've been very supported by men and I don't want to make it a, a men versus women, but, um, you know, what men in general are a little better at is prioritizing what's important. And I think women just feel like they have to do everything and you don't have to do everything. You have to do the things that are most important that will help you succeed. So, uh, you know, do whatever you can to prioritize. And then I guess another thing of, another piece of advice I would say is speak up. 
um, be part of the conversation. You know, if you're excited by your ideas and what you have to offer, share, don't take a back seat and don't hold yourself back. Uh, you know, let it all out. Don't restrict yourself. Jen, thank you so much. Thank you for joining today. This has been Between the Legal Lines, where you have just heard from Jen Painter, Senior Vice President and Chief Legal Officer at ASGN Incorporated. I am Andrea Bricka from Major Lindsay in Africa. Thank you for listening. Join us next time for a new story from another woman successfully operating between the legal lines. If you have a story you would like to share, please contact me at abricka at mlaglobal.com. Thank you. Discover how Major Lindsay in Africa can help you navigate the legal landscape at www.mlaglobal.com.